but here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Of the House Pancakes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. I <laughs> Shit. Sorry. Uh, Brian. Uh, you're playing Mega Fortress on uh, on Twitch, I think. What? No, I'm not. Am I? No, I shouldn't be. As in, as in, as in, in the Twitch thing, you marked as playing Mega Fortress. Oh, for God's sakes! I'll fix that. Um, of course I do. Right, let's carry on. Uh, your co-host uh, Julie. Hey, how you doing? Uh, your co-host Thorsten. From Clan Armstrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, you had you had right, Glenn Armstrong. <laughs> oh God, it's still, it does say Mega Fortress here. No, it shouldn't say Mega. I oh, the category is Mega Fortress. I see. And uh, your co-host Jacob. <clears throat> Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And what is that? That's literally Dune. Okay. You are not a Ben and again. (laughs) I'll be honest. I tried, I've tried to read Dune twice and there are just too many. I think it's too many characters. I think that's where it gets me. They're just way too many people. Yeah. There is a lot of, a lot of people to keep track of. I, I just can't do it. My brain, I just stop. I just be like, I can't keep up with all these people. So I, yeah, I just never, um, (laughs) I have never been able to finish that book. Uh, I read Dune when I was on maneuvers in the desert seemed appropriate. (laughs) I see. You've also been trained in the weirdest way. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, friends, we have a guest joining us from the UK in Kent. Uh, Welcome back to the show, the developer of Star Dynasties, Glenn Pauly. Welcome back, Glenn. Thanks for having me on the show again. And this looks like it's going to be a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) We we sometimes get silly around here. Uh, Now, we had, I think, I believe this is the second time we've had you on because we had you on for the base game a while back or maybe the third because i think the third yeah because i think we had you on twice for the base game and now yeah uh, yeah and yeah you had me once before i'm not even sure we were in early access at the time i remember our first uh podcast it was a very uh, open-ended let's see what ideas we can come up with that this game could have oh that's right (laughs) That was very, that was very entertaining. Oh, that um, is right. Podcast. I forgot, I forgot about that. Um, I must have missed both of those because, uh, yeah, that's, that was a while, yeah, that was a little while it. back. That was a little yeah. while back. Um, but I'll be honest, I did not know this DLC was coming. And then when I, I'm, I don't know if I missed an email or something, cause I am on Iceberg's list. And so when I saw that, oh my God, there's new Star Dynasty's DLC. Uh, <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised. Because, folks, if you're not aware of what Star Dynasty is, it is a it's 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 a strategy game, but it's more of a character driven strategy game rather than like a unit driven strategy game. Like it's it's like in the in the it's like 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 a higher level than Crusader Kings, I would say. 
It reminds doubt I was hoping you wouldn't say it. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> you, you gotta make you gotta give the uh, comparisons that people know, and but, I. But I think it's more along the lines of Star Wars Rebellion than Crusader Kings, honestly, because it's it's far more character driven, and you're moving character you're moving characters around more than you're moving. You're not even really moving units around in this game. You're moving. Uh, characters around, but you're not like dragging them on a map. You're like, here, go do this thing and go here to do it. Um, you so, mean like the old game? I mean, sort of, but you're not like physically picking up units and moving them there. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I I need you to do this thing. I'm Then you're going to go here to do it and you tell them to do it and then they do it. You don't like see a little ship going across the map. You know what I mean? Um, so it's a very high level uh, very high level uh, space soap opera simulator, <laughs> basically. Uh, that is the way of putting it. Yes, that is and, the way of putting it. And uh, the and so the DLC adds a lot more. Uh, well, Glenn, why don't you tell folks what the DLC adds? Sure. First of all, you've pretty much nailed the the base game, I think, because uh, it absolutely is about those characters and the stories that the game generates. Uh, based on them, and yeah, the 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 kind of it's got kind of a worker placement mechanic that's at the at the core of it exactly as you're describing. So so we, I think you've nailed the the explanation of the base game, a hundred percent. And oh, what, worker placement, buckle up, we're going into game design talk. Yay! <laughs> My favorite thing. Yeah, I always wanted to so here. Excuse me. Go, so go ahead. So um, what Bloodlines adds to the game, it adds four features. Um, the First, it adds a family designer, so that now when you start the game, you can design the members of your family and your starting house. So it's a, you know, if you want, you can create... Uh, Duke, you, know, you can play as Duke Leto and the Atreides, or the Space Lannisters, or just your own family and friends. And that's uh, that's kind of the, the 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 first thing you can do in the game. We've added uh, a mechanic where now your uh, you can raise your children, so you can mold them as they grow into uh, into the kind of uh, adult that you got that will be more useful to you later down the line. But it also you, comes. Go ahead. The DLC allowed you to go from neglectful parent to over to helicopter parent. Yes, you pretty much could be a helicopter parent because the game will generate events when you are being the personal guard, you know, of a, of a child that allows you to really, well, uh, improve them or screw them up if that's what you wish. <laughs> but you can also use them as a kind of political pawns uh, because you can send them away to other rulers or other rulers can send guardians to can send a guardian to you. And it's a way of making sure a ruler is going to be uh, pretty loyal because you've got their kid, you know, over on your system, or vice versa. If you send a kid away, they're going to. They they know you're gonna be. You're you're uh, kind of. You trust them, and so they know that, a lot that friendly. you can and will hold the kid hostage if they if they uh, mess something up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's time honored tradition. That's kind of the point. It was a it was a tradition in uh, in the Sengoku period of Japan mm-hmm. that they would send a child to another ruler as a hostage they would trade hostages basically to maintain their alliances because well if you broke the alliance your family member would die because star dynasties decided to uh 
uh, decided to sift through all the uh, various aristocratic uh, traditions of uh, history <laughs> and picked all the most sociopathic traits they could get their hands on. <laughs> uh, all the most realistic, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, uh, a little from column A and B? Yeah. Sure. No. <laughs> I, I think the two are... I don't think mutually exclusive de- definitions. <laughs> so, uh, going through... Continuing going through the list... Uh, what else we've added to the game? We've you can now um, there's now different succession laws in the game, so you can manipulate who's going to be your heir. Previously in the base game, it was always the oldest child inherited your domain when you died, but now you can manipulate that in various ways. You can even appoint specific characters. You can abdicate yourself, although that's a bit broken, so we lock it away behind a custom game mode. Uh, so you can change who your heir is. And you get characters in your house fighting over it as well, obviously, because now they, they know. Obviously. Now that they know you can change the, the who's heir, <laughs> they're going to want to do something about it. Nice. And um, the other feature we've added is that we've added a, a bloodline upgrade system where uh, as your family members do well, um, I, uh, either because they're rulers in their own right or because they do something in the world that accrues status. Uh, you, you get these bloodline upgrade points and you can, cho- you can pick uh, upgrades which continue to improve the strength of your house and your family. And it's a really nice system because it adds a, a something to the game that was... Um, that it almost we almost it was missing without without us realizing that it was missing, which is that although family is such a big thing in the game and people who are your family members are always nice to you, or at least well they kind of have to, because there's such a a cultural value around that. But as the player, you really didn't feel that way. But now you do because when your family do well, or when people related to you do well, you do well. Yeah, in the base game, once they were out of your control, you just kind of stopped caring. Exactly. Um, In fact, it was also a double-edged sword, because uh, as much as people who were your family members were nice to you, because you couldn't be nasty to them because of the dishonor of being nasty to your kin members, they also, in some sense, could, uh, could become accidentally roadblocks on your way. Um, you know, you're trying to conquer uh, a system or, or, a, or a faction and it's led by someone related to you, you're going to have to, to, to look even more like the bad guy when you're, when you're being aggressive. Yeah, and if, you Habsburg, if you Habsburg yourself across the galaxy, you'll have to deal with the consequences. Precisely, exactly. But now, if you do that, you do get uh, a lot more value out of it. I've got to interrupt here uh, because in my last game, my own sister managed to uh, first attack randomly systems uh, I, I, I wanted to uh, make peace with and uh, then decided uh, to attack me, to topple me effectively. Was a nice, was a nice game. I really, really got to say, I had a lot of fun in this game. <laughs> uh, it ended uh, that I have had to kill my own sister. By the way. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it was really great because uh, it, it it's got uh, a real a real Game of Thrones uh, uh, feeling in, in in that way. But way <laughs> better. Be, be, but way better apparently because Game of Thrones didn't end well apparently as a as a property. So uh, hopefully this will do. Better. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch the finale of of Game of Thrones, but I know it's. Uh, the early part was good. Uh, I'll just say that. Well, I, tangent I, number one. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we do tangents all the time. Um, so, uh, Glenn, when did work on this expansion start? Did, like, you notice things were missing in the base game once it went 1.0, and you're like, oh, we have to do an expansion now. Like, is that what happened? Or, or how did this expansion come about? So, when we released the game... We immediately had a few ideas that we wanted to work on, and that's what we worked on straight away. And we, we there was one or two free updates um, after the base game released. But as we were working on those, we were keeping you know eyes and ears open on what the feedback on the game was about. So, um, and the DLC has, has completely come out of that feedback. We've taken a, a few strands of feedback that came up again and again and again. And we kind of tied them together in, in this themed DLC. And the first obvious strand was that the game is at its best when it focuses on the stories of when it focuses on the stories that involve the characters that are that are nearest and dearest to you, whether that's and mostly your family, but also the kind of the key rulers in your political arena. So that was like the first strand. But the other strands were features that were requested again and again like the family designer is no is is no surprise players wanted to more customization options um when they're creating a, a character and to also put their own family and friends into the game uh, and the same can be said for 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 everything else that we added so it uh, it wasn't it wasn't very hard to to figure out where i needed to go next because uh, it was just a case of listening to to the user feedback, and, and and you can tell that this expansion adds so much to the game. It like fleshes out areas I didn't even realize needed fleshing out. Um, but it really makes the game feel that much more. Like it didn't feel incomplete when it was launched, but it like feels like a much more complete product now with this DLC. To be perfectly honest, I mean the bloodlines thing is great. I love the family designer a lot. Um, so it's all great stuff. What was, what, what would you say was the most challenging thing to implement in this, uh, in this expansion? I think it, we, there were a few design, the design issues that we, we, we kind of threw through our heads against um, repeatedly the family designer probably was we had quite a lot of um because the with the family designer we're kind of straddling two things that we're trying to achieve which is on one hand we're obviously wanting to give the player the ability to create the kind of of families that they want to, to role play the family that they want but on the other hand we want the you know, the game is, there's a specific challenge that, that the game sets you, that you're trying to, to overcome. And we didn't want to 
take that away from the player because they can create a family straight straight away that um, that essentially is overpowered. And it was really hard to to get those two things kind of you know to balance the family designer in a way that you could do that both of those were satisfied. In fact, I would say that if you really want to role play um, uh, some particularly overpowered, uh, well, overpowered or or weird families, you you need to use the custom game mode, which gives you a lot more uh, of the customization points that you can then do whatever you want. Um, I think the other challenge we had was with the bloodline upgrades, which is how to... One of the things that makes Star Dynasties uh, fun to play, but very challenging to design, is that the characters have a life on their own. And because they... It's, and so it's very hard as a designer to control what they do and the impact that has on the game without making it much more artificial. And our philosophy has always been um, that the, the, the experience of the game emerges from kind of this um, simulation, this chaotic simulation where characters are acting. And so the Bloodline upgrades, it was a big challenge to balance the, the, the way it worked because in, in the initial iterations, what would happen is your family would go off and conquer the galaxy on their own sometimes, and you're not doing much, and somehow you still get all these bloodline upgrade points. So we, we really had to you know, figure out how we were going to, to balance it so that it is the player that's the main driver of um, what happens. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that's fascinating about this game and a lot of games try to do and don't really succeed at is all your characters, like you said, do have lives of their own. You know, they, uh, they do make their own decisions. So how does that AI work and how hard was that to create? Cause I find it fascinating just to watch even like, even if I don't, I, and I love how you've made it. So like every turn I've got decisions to make about these characters, which is great. But like sometimes I just want to watch what they do, and it's been just just wonderfully surprising to watch them make their make their decisions. So how how did that how does how was that created the the AI that makes them seem like in, like actual individuals? So at a technical level, they they all the characters actually get their own turn, a little very much like the player does, and they've got a list of actions that they can take. And that drives a, cer uh, a certain amount of their behavior. Oh. And the other way that we drive their behavior is that the game has a lot of events that actually put the characters in the game in the driving seat. So the, you know, an event can happen to a character and they take a decision on it. And you might not even be aware of it because that character is not important enough to, to be shown for what they do to be shown to you as the player. And that's and that's kind of what creates this this uh, living universe. I would say actually the biggest challenge though wasn't the the technical side. I think the biggest challenge is um, is how to make that um, not overwhelming or 
opaque to the player. So like one of the repeated challenges that we've had, and I, w- and I would love to say that we, we, we solved it, but the truth is it's still something that, that we try to improve all the time, is that sometimes a string of events will happen or the AI will do something and it's got its reasons for it, but those aren't visible to the player. And the player will go, oh, why has this character done this? And it's not always possible for the player to unravel why the character did that from the data that they have available. And some players roll with that because that's what life is like. It can be complex and it can be confusing. But some players go, oh, but I want to know why. Otherwise, it's, it's not satisfying. So that's, that, I think, has been the biggest challenge, is not just how to make these characters act, but how to keep them all acting in a way that um, is, as, is kind of believable and doesn't... It is internally consistent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just about being really internally consistent. It's also about how to not contradict the player's sense of what is internally consistent. Does that make any sense? It does. I oh, mean, absolutely. But it also makes sense that you're at such a level, you're not going to know every little detail about every little thing, characters way beneath you, what they're doing, which to me makes sense. Like when I saw that, oh, character is doing something with an unknown character, I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I don't know that other character. That's kind of interesting, but... I th- I think you're kind of I think you're getting it you're doing well because like there was for me there was never a point where I was like but why though you know like I was watching these characters do these things and it like I'm like okay I guess it makes sense to them but you're basically saying that the characters basically play the same game as the player does they have decisions to make and they make the decision they have, they have actions they can take and then they decide which are the best actions they can take for them Basically, yeah, there's wow. there's a few actions that is only restricted to the player, like um, uh, talking about the DLC, the bloodline upgrade system is a case in point. That is that is a system that we've added only for the player. But uh, in terms of ruling your uh, faction, for example, and the worker placement mechanic that we've talked about, that is something that is accessible to the other characters and the other rulers of of the world. I think that's why this game is successful because, you know, you're putting the pl- you're putting the other characters in basically in a lot of the same situations the player is in, and and making them make decisions. And I've been having a great time watching the other characters make decisions, and then having to make decisions based on the decisions they've made. It's so great. It's such a great story generator. This game. It- I just wanted to say about the the expansion. And and I'll be honest, and usually space opera isn't, or soap operas aren't my thing. Uh, usually when I see a soap opera, I say, well, you better have a vampire in it, like Dark Shadows. And when I first started to play this game, I said, but I don't want to play this family. And one of the things that Torsten and I talked about off microphone in our little gaming session is that sometimes... You need somebody to put onto a feature of the game. And Chris, who was on our last show, always faults me for saying, well, did you watch the instruction video? And I say, but it didn't come with one. He said, did you Google it? And I said, 
oh yeah and i found out and i said okay start a new game and i said i can make my own family wow this is great <laughs> and now i can go nuts i said oh that really just changes the whole game for me so thanks so much you're welcome yeah the, the, when the game loads it throws you right into uh a tutorial with a pre-existing family and that was it was it's, we we want players to go through that tutorial process because the game's quite complex and uh, uh when you know, through the EA period and the uh, betas before that as well, it, that was probably the biggest problem we had at the time, which is how do we bring people along the journey of kind of figuring out how to play the game? And uh, having a tutorial where we lead you through the, the a few years in the life of a pre-existing leader turned out to be the 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 best way to do it so yeah you will if you fire up the game with bloodlines for the first time you'll sidestep the family designer but it is there if you just restart the game see the the old me wishes the new me had come back and slapped the old me in the forehead and say start a new game imbecile don't just continue the old one and because when i first started playing this game and it said this is you and i said i don't want to be a cisgendered caucasian male duke and i said i'd gone to great length not to be one and god bless some luke who i know is listening to the game he said i didn't know you gave up a duke dumb and i said well god bless you for saying so and then <laughs> i and then I went to the character creator and I said, the first thing I said to myself is something that we're going to talk about in a future show. And I said, oh, my God, look at the options. Represent. I can be anybody. Male, female, straight, bi. Oh, right. You know, and that's why I said, wait, let me go back and start a new game. So thank you so much. Wow. All right. Welcome. Good. Yeah. yeah, we uh, okay. we we obviously we felt uh, adding. I mean, we have the mechanics were there from um, day one with the game, but uh, of course, having putting the family designer there, we couldn't not not uh, open that up to 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 players to be able to create the kind of characters they want. So I'm, I'm glad it's being appreciated. It's also nice that there's the option for idiots like me who just press random on the uh, on the family generator six times and go, all right, let's see what they gave us for me. <laughs> I, I do love the I do love the random option. I mean, I had I was saying before the stream, if you watch the video, friends, you'll see that I spend almost ten minutes designing my character and my family. I could have spent the whole video doing that. Uh, so I had a lot right. of fun uh, tweaking things, but right. I, I do love that there's a random button. As well. <laughs> All right, half my family are morons. The other half, uh, half are al alcoholic, uh, alcoholic uh, nymphomaniacs. Let's go. Just like real life. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I appreciate is I can say, "Hey, I can put my sinister real life grandfather in this game." All right, go nuts. Yeah, let's see how he wreaks havoc on the universe.
Yeah, I, I, I just played with the balanced family it gave me for the video, but I'm definitely going to put my actual wife and her family in, in there. <laughs> just, just to uh, just to see how that I goes. Mean, I designed the game, and that was the first thing I did as well when I had it up and running <laughs> through my own family and see what that's like. Did the inevitable happen, and your character and your character immediately went off and wanted to cheat? Wanted to cheat on her? For some it reason, that happens to like every every character I start playing. Immediately, first first thing they want to do is betray their spouse for some reason. <laughs> for the bloodlines direction i understand that i understand they're freaking sociopath sociopathic aristocrats but does every single one have to be an adulterer well hey if your sister-in-law is hot you know i mean five for five one of the first things they did well, if I put my grandfather in this game, there is no doubt by the end of the game, he will either end up ruling the universe or raise the whole thing to the ground. <laughs> or end up assassinated, depending on... Yes, or end up assassinated. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of outcomes. There's a ton of options, which is so great. I, I mean, how do you... Uh, I mean, like, so many options could just cause a brand... Like, all these different branches of the way things could go. How, how do you, uh, how do you have the game keep all that straight? Cause I, I would imagine it could get pretty chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, well, our, our design philosophy has always been add as much as we can, you know, if we could add everything in the bathroom sink, we, we, we would, because it's that kind of game where you, um, what makes the game fun is exactly the, 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 situations it throws you in uh, when things happen to your characters and, and that you didn't expect. Um, it takes a lot of playtesting because everything we add can have an impact on so many other things. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's the point of the game. But the flip side is we run ourselves into all sorts of, of weird and wonderful scenarios that uh, break the game. <laughs> Oh, I cannot. What is what is the funniest? I I have to ask. What is the funniest game breaking thing you've run into? Well, in on the DLC, what we could not, for love or money, get to work right uh, was the abdication uh, system. As in, we couldn't get it to work in a way that was remotely balanced. There were so many ways to cheat. Um, uh, the prime way was probably that we figured out um, in, in an earlier iteration before we closed a few loopholes that you could start the game as the vassal of a uh, an archon that you set in the family designer as your family member because through the family designer you can also say I'm actually related to an archon somewhere in the world for example and you start related to them then, because they're because they are a family member, you appoint them as the heir of your uh, faction, and then you immediately abdicate. What happens is they inherit your faction, and you end up being uh, a major superpower by the end of turn uh, uh, by the end of turn one, which obviously didn't work <laughs> at all. Um, oh, that's great. That's great. 
Uh, and after we removed the application, we figured that you could still do it if you tried to kill yourself. So, uh, and there are some ways you can try to kill yourself. Like if you, if you, well, if you, there's no suicide option, but. Keep going, keep going. But you can, you can try to go, you can try to attack a system and just draw none of your allies in. So it's basically you and a couple of frigates against whatever armada the opponent uh, musters, which in the pre-DLC era meant almost certain death. And we really, there was, because, because you can do things like set up inheritance chains that then uh, make someone powerful inherit your faction. The only way we could stop that from being an exploit is by capping the chance of death. So, um, so the chance of death is now capped at uh, 25% when you make a random suicidal attack like that, which is still pretty high and discourages you from doing it. It's what in four. Yeah, but it, what that means is you're not, it's not a guarantee that you're certainly going to be playing as the, uh, the very powerful ruler who inherited your tiny faction. There's still ways to break the game, it just takes more effort. Pretty much, and I don't think we can ever avoid that. It's just the nature of the game. Look, <laughs> finagly inheritance laws are a staple <laughs> in aristocratic society, and exploiting them, I would argue, is part of the design. Absolutely. Right. right agree. Uh, that's... It's, it's a feature. So this, abdication, yes. so this abdication thing is available. You just have to dig for it, it sounds like. Well, we, the, the game has a custom game mode, uh, which basically... Uh, opens up a few things that aren't there when you're playing the game normally. And then it stops you from getting uh, achievements. But you can pretty much start from a much more powerful position, and there's a couple of things that you'll get access to that you don't otherwise. <laughs> but it's it's kind of yeah, cheating. So it's kind of cheating, so you turn off a cheat. Yeah. 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 So I've actually been wishing to ask a, a quick question, because... Obviously, the Crusader Kings 2 comparison is inevitable. However, I would like to actually ask, as I do a lot on these podcasts, about, uh, about the game's general inspirations. Because there was, once upon a time, uh, a surprisingly well-designed de well mod for Crusader Kings 2 called Crisis of the Confederation, which was basically this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering if, there was, if there's any connection between this and that. None whatsoever, and well, I know this is a... no. But like, was it like, did, was it, were you aware of that uh, the mod's existence? Uh, I was aware of it? the mod's existence. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, I checked it out briefly. Um, the the inspiration for I mean, obviously, the comparison with with Crusader Kings two is is both natural, very fair. I mean, you know, they're they're they are they, they share quite a lot of, of similarities. I would argue they share a genre, if anything. So. Uh... Yeah, one that is one that is growing. I mean, there's there's quite a lot of games now beginning to adapt, um, you know, character simulations to some degree or procedural characters to some degree. And I I love to see it, but ironically, my my original inspiration was I was a big, I still am a big 4X player, and my and what I was, you know, when I started working on Sword Dynasties, I was thinking what you know. 
I, I'd like to play. I mean, ultimately, it ended up being nothing like this. But what I originally started from was I was thinking I'd like a 4X game that was more um, about, you know, that was more about you being a character than about you being an impersonal god. Um, and that's what start, led me to start working on Star Dynasties. And then, yes, um, that kind of design evolved and changed over time. And um, because Crusader Kings 2 was there, and I'd obviously played it, um, you know, there was a couple of, of design solutions that they had to problems that, that, um, that, that I found. It was very, it was very interesting um, working on, on, on Star Dynasties back before anyone else was really trying procedurally generated character simulations, uh, except Crusader Kings 2, because I would run into a problem with the way I was building something in Star Dynasties. And I would spend weeks trying all sorts of different ways to solve the problem and then eventually i would come up with a solution and i would be like god damn it this is how crusader kings does it no no there's got to be some other way and uh <laughs> but but sometimes you know the the, the the that that was the the best way to solve the problem uh, and uh on the subject of four of a four X character uh, simulation, um, it has now been done very very well in by uh, Old World. Old so, World is great. Old World is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. it's so Absolutely. good. Oh my god, I I, I am oh my god. somehow unfamiliar. It's it's this it's the same guy who made um uh uh Offworld Trading Company. Offworld Trading Company. And Civ Four. And Civ Four, yeah. Uh, but it's it's so it's like Civ Four, but a lot more character driven. And it's oh, it's okay. it's so good. It's yeah, every every turn your your children, for example, will have things that they're doing during their schooling years, and you decide how they uh, what paths they take depending on the resources you want to spend. And sometimes they'll grow up and betray you, or sometimes they'll die because of an illness. And okay, I see. Really also, all right, coming out uh, second quarter 2022, I have... I, I mean, it, it, it's already on Epic. It's already on Epic. Yeah. But, uh, Epic okay, that explains it. Yeah. yeah, it's been out for almost a year on, on Epic, but it's been an exclusive for that period. All uh, right, I missed it probably because of that but that's for later that's uh tangent it, tangent it's okay we can do tangents it's just want to say it's it's a great genre yeah it's it's i'm glad you brought up old world because i was going to bring it up because that game is <laughs> i mean it's, it's soren johnson right is that who i'm remembering correctly it's soren johnson yeah. my yeah. god my god that guy i love that guy <laughs> yeah, uh man. But yeah, it's good. We're one thing, oh, go ahead. Uh, one thing I was wondering about is: uh, Have you ever taken a look at Mike Singleton's uh, Star Lord? That's a pretty old game, by the way. Yeah, that uh, was from yeah, it was a microprose game from like ninety two or ninety three, yeah. right? Like way back yeah, when. Yeah, right, right at, at that time, because it shares some similarities. I did. I did take a look at this. Actually, what happened was that I'd never come across that that game. I can't imagine how I missed it uh, in the '90s as as a gamer. But someone brought it to my attention when during the early access period, and uh, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. 
Um, so yeah, absolutely, I agree. There is there is there is definitely some similarities, uh, especially in 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 theme. Um, I'm not sure if that's down to the fact that there's only so many ways you can do feudal future. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was a blast to 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 dig into it um, a few you know a decade or two <laughs> after it came out. I remember the. Uh, one of the previous times you were on, we mentioned the Fading Suns universe and it's and the similarities to what you're doing. And well, I mean, the comparisons are completely fair, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The the main the main difference, I think, is that uh, talking about the setting. Um, right. Most of the time that to be fair, most feudal future um, has usually gone for a setting uh, i mean dune does it fading suns does it the the um BattleTech, uh, world does it which is you've got this vast galaxy you know humanity has conquered uh, or or at least lives on thousands of, of of systems and what you have is a very mature but decaying uh empire and with Star Dynasties, I went for a very different setting where you've got a, a kind of a dark age that is, um, because what I was, what I was struck with is I, I, I wanted to go a little bit harder sci-fi. And what, so what I was thinking of was, if you look at medieval times, you know, our era of, of, of feudalism, it wasn't just an option. It wasn't just people decided that feudalism was the the nice way to rule um, to rule over themselves. You know, there were there were some uh, absolutely necessary economic and technological uh, requirements for that period to have been feudal. And if they weren't there, we wouldn't have been in feudal in a feudal society. So when I was looking to create the setting of Star Dynasties. I, I wanted to recreate the conditions that would make a feudal society plausible rather than just pick a feudal setting because it was because, I mean, let's face it, it's really cool. Um, so in Star Dynasties, this is a post-collapse era where essentially humanity has, has, has all but failed and people are just... Um, just trying to survive in in a in in, co- in colonies that they don't even know how to how to build or or even barely repair anymore. It's it, you know there's been a technological regression, there's been an economic regression, there's been a political regression, and that's why we have feudalism. That was actually something I want I wanted to mention uh, because uh, what. What's striking me is uh, the fact that it's consistent, and many of those other uh, examples you brought up is and aren't necessarily necessarily uh, consistent in that way. Uh, especially fading suns is is is, is uh, a bit inconsistent in in uh, regards of technology in that uh, in, in in technology in that, in that regard, and. Uh, that was one of the things that, that I really, really like with this game. Thank you. Yeah, it, we, we've, we've 
I mean, it was also a challenge in its own right, uh, because we one of the struggles we had during the early access period is that because we were a space strategy game, a lot of players came into the game with the expectation that technology would um, feature more prominently. And, to, and that's a perfectly fair expectation, because in most space strategy games, it is. You know, you, you have a, a technology tree typically and you're researching new technologies and, and, um, and that's a big part of the gameplay. Um, but because of the setting we had, we had uh, chosen where technology was stagnant and that was critical to, to maintaining the, 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 the rationale why this society was feudal. Um, you know, it was a bit of a surprise at the time, although it shouldn't have been, I, I suppose, because players were asking us for to do more around technology. And that's where the expedition events came in, which are these um, long uh, story or more involved story chains in the game that have a very strong sci-fi team. And they're and there's a you know a common a thread through them is that you're basically rediscovering uh, or or coming across artifacts from the previous um, era of humanity when we actually were a, a sophisticated uh, a civilization that was beginning to span the stars. Oh yeah, I remember these, and they were always like my favorite throughout the game. I was just waiting for the next one. Uh, I remember one of them. I got like a ring world, uh, yeah. which didn't actually give me that much. It was mostly very expensive, but it also, but also my my neighbors tried to uh, tried to build their own copy, and it was worse. So uh, I guess net bonus, net positive. <laughs> Another one was the like super soldier ser serum. You had two of them. One made you super strong. The other made you super smart. Uh, and one of my one of my family members took the super, uh, took the serum that made her made them super strong. Tried to kill me, failed, and I had the opportunity to sh to kill her back for it because uh, it was <laughs> yeah. a just it was a justifiable <laughs> attempt on my life. And apparently, that you are absolutely allowed to just execute someone who tries to kill you. Which, look, as far as aristocratic justice goes, is probably the best we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am particularly proud of the way the game. Um, also, the stealth ship. I got the stealth, the stealth ship. ship. I, don't, I still <laughs> yeah. don't know what it does. Like, I just, <laughs> I just knew I had a stealth ship, and like, I got an event every now and then. The stealth ship did something, but I wasn't entirely sure what the stealth ship actually did. <laughs> but I had a stealth ship, and I was really happy about it. Nice. But it's very funny. It, it's, it's very funny if, if the uh, opposition finds out that you have this that uh, starship because they uh, immediately uh, go in a way. Uh, let's say they are uh, a bit um, angry about you having a starship. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's very dishonorable. Oh, yes, yeah, very dishonorable. I don't know what it does even. I just found it in a ditch. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's like that freaking I had to go there. I had to go there. It's like that Yugoslavian poster when they shot down the F117. I'm sorry, we didn't know it was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. That's great. I'll need to uh, I'll send it over in a bit in the in the freaking green room. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah, I do love how tech, a lot of technology in this game is handled. It's like, you're not discovering things. There's a bunch of broken shit around you. You got to fix. I really enjoy that, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, here's some technology, but you can't use it yet because it's been broken for decades. See, I actually like that colonies will get abandoned. That if the if it's out of dis, if it's in disrepair, that uh, they'll lose atmosphere and you ha they have to abandon it, and then you can go back in and try to fix it to the best of your abilities. Yes, right, right. I got a. I have a question, and this kind of stems from what my grandmother used to say: "Give them an inch, and they'll take a mile." And um, I see so many different possibilities with your new expansion. And, you know, I tell my sister all the time, what's that smell? Spoiled gamer. And that is, <laughs> uh, that is, I, I looking back into the history of the game, it's like I see some of the comments on Steam. They say, what we really need is changeable names. And I said, well, now the names are changeable. And so this presents so many different possibilities. I said, now, I, granted, I'm not a developer. I don't play one on stage or television. But is there any way to add in a feature that allows, like, you to put in your own pictures of the characters? And also, my other comment is, this is just a personal thing, a very noobish comment, but I look forever for the call, but the button to call someone into battle. And I looked on it. I looked on an old instructional video and when you clicked on it it actually said the word call and it doesn't anymore and i was cursing and swearing until i watched somebody play yeah. through the the tutorial i said that's where the call button is so that's all it got, I changed, it got changed to show the percentage of how likely it is that you get discovered when you uh click the button yeah, yes. well, some also, new people like me really need it to be spelled out for you, you know. And fair enough. But also, yeah, I will. I will. Now, I go. Oh, sorry. Now that I can call my leader, like or my my brother in the game, Jean Luc Picard, I want the ability to put Patrick Stewart's picture in there, and that probably isn't possible. But there you go. Wow. Uh, yeah, bit of egg on my face on that call button issue. We we wanted to change the call buttons to um, to icons because um, it's it turns out that when you localize a game into uh, other languages, those languages oh, it sometimes immediately yes uh, they have very long words for something like call or ask. So oh, we... It's not going to fit in the full letterbox, yeah. Exactly. I, I'm currently... Uh, this, okay, so so the ball is so in my court right now because uh, <laughs> in case I because somehow I don't mention this often enough, I am currently studying English as part of as part of a localization course to go in, get into that shit professionally. And uh, ah. when I think about it, yeah. When I think of like the two or three languages, I know enough to know what, to know what uh, the word for call would be in those. And how many of those would have a word for that that fits in a full in a full letter box? Uh, zero. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so we switched to icons, but you know, hold my hand up. Uh, I it completely slipped my mind that in the tutorial we refer to it as the call button. Um, 
So yeah, that would have, that would be very confusing to someone who's who's going through the tutorial. And, uh, and to be honest, it, it's even more ironic because a lot of people got stuck in that bit in the tutorial because the call the because it wasn't obvious, even when it did say call where it was. Because at that part of the tutorial, you get a bunch of widgets over, uh, appearing on the map, and uh, you know you get a lot of UI all at once. And so it was hard to make out even then. It hasn't gotten easier. So hold my hand up. I need to improve that. I mean, I, un- I understand because the Japanese word for call it takes eight letters. But uh, so it's eight like characters as in. Yeah, eight characters. Oh, and I gosh, wish yeah. I I wish I had a solution. But I was cursing and streaming. And finally, I heard the words of one of my co-hosts, Chris. He said, did you watch the video? And I said, no. I didn't let me go out to YouTube. So let me throw this out there then. In the tutorial text, if it's possible to put the icon in there, yeah, following that that word, that will probably help with the memorizing the iconography for newer players. Yeah. Yeah, that, there's that, like a I, telephone because a telephone is still a relatively universal sign of calling someone. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, and yeah, I can like good iconography can absolutely help decrease the uh, the uh, load required for localization, especially if you're on a tight uh, space budget. Yeah, as in, no, uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, I agree with you. That's that's the correct way for it. Okay, that's, you know. Yeah. The, Something nobody has asked about, and I noticed that nobody seems to ask about when we have guests, is nobody asks about, and this has probably been covered on another show before I started here, but I've yet to hear anybody talk about Poly Games, and you talk about we and who is we, and did you just wake up one morning and say, hey, I know, space game, you know, and it's like, what well, what brought you into all this, and who is the we in Poly Games? Ju- Julie, we don't care about the people, we just care about the games, so... If you- <laughs> hey! <laughs> I, I care about the dev! I care, Drew! That was something. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that, that was, that was good stuff. That was very good stuff. Okay, <laughs> Here's why. Sorry, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. No, of course we care about the people. Here's we we should Brian, ask that question more often. I'm here's saying. proud of you. I am proud of you, Brian, for that one. Here's here's why I care about the developers because uh, no, of I have. Of course, a, we care about the developers. I got a friend who's a senior. It was a senior uh, pr- producer in the game and. On our show, he got himself in trouble when he said I wouldn't work for Satan when he was talking about EA. And I said, uh-oh, and he got himself in a boatload of trouble for that. But I said, you know, I appreciate the indie developers, you know, especially oh. when they say. So no, I want to know about you. No, that's fair. No, we, lo- we love the developers. Huh? Of course we do. So, Glenn, please give us your give us your story. <laughs> well, man, fair enough. Well, uh, I'm... I basically started Sword Dynasties uh, several years ago uh, on my lonesome, and I'm a, I'm a software developer, and I've always been the the, the only software develop, developer on the project. But for the last uh, couple of years, I've had a couple of uh, writers uh, that have helped me out, and 
you know, writers slash designers. Um, uh, one would be James Patton, who wrote the uh, who wrote a game called Spin Mortality. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever came across oh, that. Yeah, it's a it's, a, it's a very clever cyberpunk uh, game where you are the CEO of an evil corporation. Um, oh, yeah, I think I'm... yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Daniel Rosas, who's helped me with the with uh, a lot of the design issues that the game has had as it's maturing, and um, and Nick Hills, who uh, who's also a great writer. So you know, I've had I'm, I've had some help there, and and together we've taken you know we, you know I definitely wouldn't have managed to make it uh, uh, on my own. There's also the there's also a couple of great artists that that I've managed to 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 use their work on. So I mean that that's the life of 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 an indie dev. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of collaboration that goes on um, between people that move from 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 one project to another. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, it's an I, interesting life. I've said before, I don't envy any indie game developer in this day and age because as a player. It's a, it's an amazing time to be a gamer. It is one yeah. of probably the best times to be a gamer is like I like in the 90s as a goal as like the first golden age of gaming and I think we're like in another right now in another because of all the all the wonderful games we're seeing. You know what I mean? But as a developer trying to get visibility on your game with <clears throat> when any when on any given day 80 or 90 games are coming out on Steam yeah. For example, it is. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard industry. And uh, I mean, the people in it are some of the nicest people. They, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing aggressive at all about the people that work in the games industry. But because there are so many games and so many people that want to make games, it does mean that making games um, commercially. Because, uh, you know, you could just be a hobbyist and there are many great indie developers that are hobbyists. They do it on the side and they make some great games and they enjoy and they enjoy it and they enjoy doing it that way. But it's it's really hard if you're trying to 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 do it and, you know, do it as business because there's so much. Um, yeah. yeah. And you, you never know. know so exactly. You never, yeah. You never know exactly what's going to be a hit. You never know exactly what's going to really uh you know, take off. Like it seems almost random anymore you know, as to what takes off and what doesn't. Um, but I just envy and a- anyone who has the chutzpah, if I can use that word to, uh, to be a game I- indie game dev, because I couldn't do it. I, I could not do it at all. So um, what I also appreciate about indie game devs, and it's also probably the, the worst, part about dealing with it and unless along with signs what brian just said is you have some spoiled gamer like me that says hey i want to make my character look like annie wershing and you know the poor indie game developers already put a more second mortgage on the house you know and says to him or herself yeah sure let me put a third mortgage on the house not a problem you know and i don't think a lot of people who are players appreciate what an indie game developer has to go through especially expense wise to get their game out no they don't a lot of there are a lot i mean i think the majority of gamers do i think what we see a lot of times is a really loud minority of schmucks who feel overtly entitled to get whatever the hell they want but i think on the most part 
what I see on Steam forums and whatnot, are there a lot of under, especially if a developer is good as is good at communicating with uh, their fans. A lot of fans are very understanding about delays and and oh we can't do that and oh let's fix that you know a lot of yeah. a lot of people are very understanding. Um, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's a hard, uh, you know, as you're saying, it is a hard thing to balance because um, you know people people always want more in their game. Whether you know whether they whether they're they 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 always want more because they they're never satisfied or because they love the game and want to to see to, to see more of of what they already love. So, you know, I, I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't really I don't really subscribe so much to the myth of the of the of the entitled gamer. I think it's I think it's it's a case of you know there's so many uh, games out there, and so the bar is high. The bar isn't high because people are entitled. The bar is high because there are so many great games out there. And, you know, mm. and, and, you know, you, you don't have a right to say, well, I worked really hard on this and therefore, you know, you should play it. That, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. But, you, you know, you have to know that going in. I, do. I think, I think oh, the counter to that is that... Uh, that- there are entitled gamers, and they are a vocal minority, Agreed. but they're not the ones actually driving the community toward uh, whatever whatever voice the developer wants. Yeah, to for the most to. part. Like a lot of times, when we mean entitled gamers, we like we're like, why isn't this expansion free? You know, or <laughs> yes, that yeah. that kind of thing. Like, why do or, I have to pay the, for this? We want multiplayer crowd for a game that was completely. Yeah. Uh, developed as a single player game with no plans for for co-op or multiplayer in mind but people still want it anyway well i won't buy this game unless it has multiplayer well okay then you can buy something else you know it's my not- you know my favorite the game that came out 20 years ago then comes out on steam why doesn't my cd key work why can't I get this for free? <laughs> that, yeah. that's my favorite why doesn't my old cd key from 2002 work <laughs> in steam to get me this game for free. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> so I think, I don't think entitled gamers are a myth. I think they, they do exist, but they are such a, a, a small blight on the industry as a whole that, uh, thankfully they can mostly be ignored or laughed at. <laughs> they are the molehill that try to make themselves into a mountain. Yes. The yes, way of putting exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So sp- speaking of people who want more, do you have more planned for Star Dynasties? Thank, Thank you. you. I was about to ask, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of been doing I've been doing this a while. I'm kind of a pro at it. No, I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah. Big family expansion. Go ahead. Well, um, Right now, I, in all honesty, I we're uh, you know looking to see how it's received and what people say and what people want uh, from more from the game. Um, so I don't have any any fixed plans just yet. I mean, I, I'd love to obviously add more to the game as long as it remains um, uh, viable. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely hoping to add more to it. Have you well, thought you have about? Sorry, you have to pick your. Okay, so 
What I was going to say is you have to be obviously be picky about this because you can indefinitely keep adding stuff onto the yes. game. But have you thought about like really the- terrible 3D space battles like in, in Star Wars Rebellion? <laughs> have you thought about really terrible, horribly implemented 3D space battles? I think that would really... I'm Jokes kidding. I'm on so- you. I would enjoy that. I, I probably would too. Was, I probably would too. I think I would too. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I'm one of the... Th- like. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I went. I went into the space game filled to the brim with, like, filled to the brim with ca- with the character in- intrigue uh, and like uh, and like espionage and all that sort of nonsense. And I went, but what if the ship fights were were, were cooler? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair, really. Um, but you know, you have to you have to pick what you're going to focus your energy on, especially of when course. you're you're a very very tiny team. Of course. Um, actually, my my thought was. Uh, because I brought uh, Starlord up uh, uh, half an hour ago. What about a first uh, first person combat thing, like them or uh, something like like that? like dueling or something like like a dueling? Yeah, thing? yeah, especially especially for for dueling uh, for the dueling part and uh, and of course the, the the invasion part. But I think that's outside uh, the scope of the game. I think the. So, so you see, the thing is, the game is a is is such an open ended tapestry where you are, you know, the ruler of a of a of a space kingdom. Essentially, there's so much that could be added to it in every in every direction. Um, that what it really boils down to is, given the the you know what is what all. So my thinking is always, what is the thing that gives the most value? with my very limited resources. And so it's usually, a, it's usually, I mean, I'd love to add the, the, the 3D models and the 3D ship fights, but I think what makes, what usually is best about the game is the stuff that focuses on adventures that happen to you and your characters. Because that, that it, it creates this, this kind of feedback loop where this kind of network effect where every um, element we add that increases the potential interactions between characters tends to create more weird and interesting chains of events where a character first does this and then that happens to them and then they have another mishap and it builds this beautiful sore in your head about about kind of the life of that character. Okay. So that's probably where the you know uh, whichever direction. Um, uh, we go in next. That it'll probably be some flavor of that. Obviously, that's that. But also, there's that. There is a lot you can do with that because that basically means every time the characters in this game interact in some way, which is a lot of options. You just have to pick pick which areas to focus on and which areas to flesh out. Yeah. For all you know, you can absolutely have like a more detailed combat system, even like a, even a personal combat system. Because it turns out shanking uh, shanky people is a very common way of interaction well, if you're an aristocrat. It's <laughs> a if, very fair point. If it were up to me, I would add things like instead of shanking, like let's have competitive go karting and uh, and uh, karaoke. Let's do let's let's let's, a- let's make some yakuza stuff in there. Uh, if I can can add a more practical suggestion expand the party system (laughs) expand the party system this is it would be this because 3D is as was mentioned here by Mr. Paul you're going to be very expensive Uh, there's a company called Inkle 
and I don't know if I'm the only one that knows about Angle. Uh, but basically, they do text-based games. But what they do instead of 3D combat, it's like, have you ever seen like Paper Mario games like that? They do 2D, 2D combat. It's like the picture moves. So it's not that much more complicated. In this case, it even fits on your phone. And so it's not 3D. The picture just moves, but it adds a lot to the game, you know. So there's kind of uh, an alternative. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I do. I actually am a big fan of the Inkle, um, the Inkle Studio. They've... Uh, they've they're going from strength to strength when it comes to this uh, to this genre of uh, storytelling that's that's non-linear. Um, yeah, there's a lot to take from them. All right, uh, I could maybe I could ahead. maybe suggest some intrigue options would be interesting. Uh, for example, you want to spread a rumor. You want to give specific members of your family. A specific version of this rumor, but the one you want to deceive, you give a different version of the rumor. And you see whether or not that person who you distrust will spread that rumor. That sort of thing. Where where there is more deception going on, where it's playing a little bit more into the intrigue game uh, and developing the secrets side of of the equation a little bit more. I do agree. If there is one expansion, I would say, like I would, I would make. If I somehow were in the unfortunate position of being in your shoes, I would double down on like an espionage expansion and on the uh, political, on the like soft power and social manipulation. Like triple uh, down on that. Go extra hard on it. That'd be. Great. I think you might be onto something because one of the free updates we did after the release of the game was. Uh, specifically that we deepened the, the 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 espionage side by making spy network a lot more interactive than it was before now when you have spy network on a system it will uh, generate uh, as you discover secrets you can then use them to extort characters that live on that system um and try to get advantages that way and that has been really really popular people love doing that People love oh, that, yeah, that, that that scheming side. So yeah, that that that's definitely one possibility. As I said, right now I'm I'm still in kind of a, a wait and see mode. Um, look at the options and uh, yeah, see where we go. A dating game seems the obvious choice, says Luke. <laughs> God damn it, Luke. <laughs> well, I was going to I was going to tie that back into uh, what was said earlier about about the. The reasons, the, the internal logic for why certain characters would act the way they do, and it could tie back into into that intrigue that maybe they're being blackmailed and you don't know about it. You have to determine that they are actually being blackmailed, and then use that to clear their secrets to clear that ledger, so to speak. What's what is the what's the dog think about the game? That's my question. What is the dog? He's unfortunately uh, very vocal about it. <laughs> He's got, he's got a lot of <laughs> grief. Got a lot he of feedback. A lot, to say. a lot of feedback. He, about the game. <laughs> he has a lot to say. It's very unintelligible. <laughs> oh, poor puppy. Uh, little little yappy guy. Uh, yeah. um, anything else anyone want to get out before we start wrapping up? It has been over an hour. Yeah, from my side. Uh, Go for it. 
Um, beyond uh, Star Dynasties, uh, what are your plans for the future? Do you want to stay in the in the uh, game development, or uh, was that uh, a one shot now? No, I definitely would like to stay in the industry. I think working on Star Dynasties, um, you know, it, obviously it was sometimes very hard, um, but the storytelling side of the game has i think it's connected with so many people that i that i and in some sense it is um it's still in a niche that is relatively new because because the industry is so hard my personal philosophy has, has been that it's you know if you You try to at least make it a little bit easier for yourself by working in areas and on game ideas that are where the you know the path is less trodden. For example, I would find it very hard to work on a um, a platformer, say, because platformers are 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 a game form that uh, is done so frequently that unless you can bring something truly brilliant to the table, you're, you're definitely not going to get the time of day. Um, and I think in this kind of domain where I've worked in, in Star Dynasties, this kind of storytelling side to games, which we're now seeing in, in, a, in, in, in quite a few games, but it's still relatively new. And, you know, I mean... Obviously, not storytelling in general. I mean, this kind of procedurally driven storytelling side of of uh, uh, of, of games. And uh, you know, I feel like I've learned quite a lot in that domain. So I definitely would like to, you know, I'm definitely planning to stick around in the industry and um, look at what more I can do in that area. If I can toss out a a sequel suggestion of sorts it would be running a spy network within this universe oh that would be fun hmm. yeah yes yeah, actually some phantom domain stuff yeah yeah that'd be yeah. great instead of being the heir to the whole kid and caboodle just be the spy master Ooh. oh yeah that schmuck who has to keep the keep all, <laughs> keep all the right intrigues uh out in the open i dig it i dig it a lot that's a great yeah. idea <laughs> um, if I can add one, and I don't know how practical this is, but again, this goes back to a lot of text-based games, and this is you know text-based game, and an mm -hmm. inkle does this, and a good example is like, for example, when the story talks about like riding into town, you know, you hear the sounds of the town in the background, you know, and even though the pictures don't move in this case in text-based games. The audio often lends uh, a great deal to the, not just, I'm not talking about just music, but, you know, like sound effects, that kind of thing. I think you're perfectly right. I think um, there's this, there's this balance where, I mean, the beauty of text-based games is that it's obviously kind of, You know, if you want to have a, a dramatic scene with spaceships fighting overhead and our hero, uh, you know, launching from one to the other, uh, and, and there's a dramatic cutscene, things exploding Finish in the background. Fight. 
it's a lot cheaper to do that in text than it is in, in full 3D, full yes, motion video. Admittedly. Uh, admittedly. So so there's this 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 balance that 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 that, that you need to, to, to keep where like it's easier to tell stories if your production values are relatively low. But as a player, it's obviously a lot more fun to play games where the production values and the medium is 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 as rich as possible. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree with you that at least even if you're sticking in text-based space, adding audio and adding some sim- some some simpler animations is definitely a necessary component. I mean, well, I mean, look at things like uh, visual novels, which have cracked this uh, this you know problem, you know, a decade, two decades ago. So yeah, that's definitely the right direction. All right. Um, unless anything else, anyone else has anything to add, we're probably going to start wrapping this up. Uh, so, uh, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to come back for a third time and talking to us about uh, Star Dynasties. I really hope the Bloodlines DLC does well. It adds quite a bit to an already great game. Um and folks, if you haven't checked out Star Dynasties, please do so. It is really great. It is very it is really unique. Uh, it is a very fun game. You're not like for me. I like I, I've told you all. I get tired of moving little guys around a map. Well, that's not what you do in this game. In this game, you make fun decisions, which is much more intriguing to me. Uh, so this is a really great game that you all need to play. I think. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out, especially with the new DLC. Next week on the show, we're going to be welcoming back. Ugh, I don't want to butcher his name without asking him how to say it, but the head of EgoSoft. We're welcoming back the head of EgoSoft. Somehow. Well, I, yeah, I don't know why they agreed to this. They're, they're apparently they're that nice that they're like, okay, we'll go on your little show. Because they're well, ego they're, soft, for God's sakes. Uh, they're insisted on showing up. We're not going to stop them. I think this is, their, saying, this is going to be their third time, I think. Um, we have a saying from the, from the fighting game crowd. Uh, we take those. <laughs> so X4 recently got an expansion called the Tides of Avarice, which uh, is a piracy-focused expansion. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. And how the game is coming along, hint, hint, it's coming along very well. I've been having more fun with X4 than I've ever had uh, recently. Uh, so it's coming along very well. Uh, so that's going to be on next week's show. And then tomorrow for the stream, we're going to return to Mega Fortress for our final entry. Can't wait for that. to So we can watch me get shot down multiple times again and again and again. <laughs> the ground just wants to give you a really big hug. And it does. It really does. <laughs> that game does not mess around, y'all. So, uh, Glenn, again, thank you so much for joining us. Great chat today. Thank you, everyone in the chat. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me. Oh, thanks absolutely. for having me on again. It's a great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely, we had so much fun. And folks, we will see you next time. Have a great one, everyone. Be safe, be well, and again, if you can, please, for the love of all that is holy, get vaccinated. Uh, I don't care what god or gods you worship, but. I am I'm going to have plead to them to get have you get vaccinated. Uh thank you everyone. Have a great day. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.